Well, as we continue on uh, with uh, our series on the book of Revelation, we're on Revelation 13. I tell you, I want to tell you something about first service, though. All our teaching pastors and even our worship people, they're in love with first service. We go, if we ever have to start another service, we're going to start another first service, not a second service. Because <laughs> y'all worship, you're involved in the, the sermon, and I just want to thank you. Being the earliest ones to get here, you're really, uh, you're really right here with us in the, in the service, and I thank you for that. Today we're going to look at the coming world leader. And uh, I'll read a little bit of chapter 13. I'll never be able to read all of it, but we'll be putting some up in, whether I read it or not. In chapter 13 of Revelation, the beast out of the sea said, I saw a beast coming out of the sea and ten horns and seven heads and ten crowns in his horns. And, each, and on each head blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard. And had feet like those of, of a bear, and a mouth like the lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped that dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place. Those who lived in heaven, he was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. He was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb, was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patience, endurance, and faithfulness on the part of the saints. I want to stop right there for just a moment as we look at this and... Uh, I want you to know, John's introducing here in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist. And he's showing us that this is a time of an evil world. That uh, name Antichrist, the devil is given, the Antichrist is given some 50 names in the Bible. 50 names. Uh, but John calls him the Antichrist. 1 John 2.18 in Revelation 13, they call him the beast. Uh, he's the second person in Satan's counterfeit trinity. What you got to understand is the devil is a copycat. Uh, he has nothing really original. He just copies whatever God does, and he tries to confuse and deceive people. But uh, the uh, the second he's the second person uh, in, in Satan's uh, counterfeit trinity, and the false prophet is the third. So see where you've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have here the, 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 you have the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So the devil is copying what God does. Back in 1979, an article of Time magazine carried the headlines, Inflation, which we're in another great, headed towards another most likely great inflation area period. But it said, who is hurt the worst? And they were interviewing, and a worried blue-collar worker named Arthur Garcia said, I keep waiting for a miracle. Some guy who isn't born yet, and when he comes, we'll follow him like he's John the Baptist. One day, Arthur Garcia's lament will become a cry in the world today. I believe in the end times, the world's going to get worse and worse. Uh, evil is going to abound. Uh, inflation, airy uh, situations going to get where you can't hardly afford to live. They come out an article this week on Facebook that said that Crossville would soon be a county of Tennessee that's unaffordable. And they said it would be more unaffordable than Cookville or Clark, uh, Clarksville. 
And they just said the pure amount of people, where does value come from? Value comes from whatever anybody will pay for. So, I mean, if they'll pay a lot more for a house than you would, somebody moving in here. Uh, there's eight cities in America right now that has had a great population of people move out. And where are they moving? They're moving to places like Crossville. And so they're uh, not looking. This week, uh, uh, Dave Ramsey said he did not see the prices of houses and this, this high price of everything. He did not see it going down for at least 10 or more years and maybe never come back to where we knew it before. We're in a, a different time, and it seems like it just happens very quickly. Uh, I want to give you six characteristics of this future leader. One thing we know, the first is he's the wickedness of this leader. First, he's called the beast. John stands there on the beach there, uh, and he sees rising up out of the sea. He's on the sea of, you know, the, he's on the Isle of Patmos, and he looks out, and he sees this beast, this monster coming out of the sea. And he's a weird creature, has seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns. This creature is hideous combination of three animals, uh, a leopard, a bear, and a lion. This is how God sees the Antichrist, just uh, as he saw Satan as a dragon. We find out in 12 and 9 that that dragon that we heard about last week, that dragon is Satan. Uh, God, is, God is able to peel away all the veneer and suppose uh, to expose uh, the reputation and the fabric of this character of this one. The Greek term beast therein, which speaks of a wild, venomous beast, a monster. And I, I'll tell you that uh, sin has a way of getting in your life, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's uncontrollable. A lot of people could probably think back at the first time they did something, and then over a period of time they got to a place they could not quit doing that thing. It had habitually got a hold of them. And they could not, uh, whether it be drugs, whether it be, uh, you know, some habit they can't get over. And, and I think you're kind of seeing a picture of that. The little serpent in the garden, this venomous serpent in the garden is now, has such control. He's a dragon, a venomous dragon in the book of Revelation. And Paul calls this character, this man, he calls him the man of sin. The man of sin. I always like, the, you know, the word sin, the middle letter is I. Middle letter in pride is I. And Satan is all about, uh, narcissistic, it's all about him. And people that follow him, pretty soon it's all about them. Everything's about them. What they're going through is all about them. They don't see anybody else around them. But Paul calls him the man of sin, the son of prediction, the lawless one. And, you know, even now we are starting to see the, the nature, the character uh, we're, we're beginning to feel these same things today. We're living in a very narcissistic I generation, me generation. We're living in a generation where there's lawlessness. They don't care what the law says. They don't care what the truth is. And so 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 8. The Antichrist will come on the world scene much like the angels at Christmas. They'll come, uh, you know, singing peace, peace on earth. A lot of the stuff you hear today that we know that will not be good for our society is coming in the name of peace. Can't we just all get along? Can't we just have peace in this world? If we would do this, if everybody would give up their guns and everybody would, you know, sing Kumbaya and everybody just love one another, we'd have peace here on earth. But see, midway through the tribulation, he will commit what Daniel and Jesus called the abomination of desolation in Daniel 9 and 27 and Matthew 24 and 15. And he will reveal his true nature. His true nature. You'll find that, uh, that uh, this beast, this antichrist will serve Satan and will receive both power and authority. So the antichrist is a man. He possibly is already born right now. He's on the face of the earth somewhere. But he'll get all his power, all his authority from Satan. And uh, the second characteristic is world dominance. Verse 1 says the Antichrist will have seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns. Verse 2 declares the devil will give him his power, his throne, his great authority. The man will be granted power to make war with the saints and overcome them. And he will be given authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Verse 7. Thus re 
calls the vision of Daniel 7. The four beasts representing the four district world powers. The lion, which was Babylon. A bear, which was Medo-Persia. The leopard, which was Greece. And this grotesque, terrifying creature they saw last was from Rome. And, and so here John sees a single beast possessing all the characteristics of those four creatures in Daniel 7. And this final kingdom will have seven heads and ten horns representing separate governments that at the time of the end will come together in a confederacy. So you'll start seeing these, these nations gathered together. You got to make sense. You got to realize this is all going to make sense to people, where there's great inflation, there's wars, there's there's a war happens, just destroys uh, people's homes and houses, it has to be rebuilt and all this stuff. It, it nowadays we're all tied together. It causes world hunger. It causes uh, where you can't get your supplies around the world. Everything just begins to fall apart. Gas prices go up. All of this stuff. If we could just stop all this, wouldn't it be a great world to live in? And so if they get this confederation, that I tell you what, if you go against the, the, this uh, federation, if you go against it, you're not going to be able to get your supplies. You're not gonna, and they, they, they're thinking in the process of they can stop you by cutting off your supplies. Like they thought about Russia. Just take wealthy businesses, wealthy suppliers and say, don't, don't sell to Russia anymore because they started this war. That thought is great, but you're going to see it turn in a very wicked way in the future. The ruler will impose a new kind of world order. We're already having people talk about this new world order. Our president of the United States just about three or four weeks ago spoke of the world order. It's been the last several presidents have mentioned the word that there will be a new world order. And so the ruler will impose a new kind of world order on the planet, a world order with unprecedented influence. Daniel 7.23 says the Antichrist will devour the whole earth, trampling it and breaking it into pieces. If he is to deliver world peace, then he will need a global influence. I want to show you something. They're going to put it on the sidewalls too, but there's a, something that's already started called the, the uh, Federation of Earth. The Federation of Earth. Part of the Constitution for the Federation of Earth produced by the Democratic World Federation says, and they're going to put it on the sidewalls. I don't know if you can read that or not, but uh, I'm going to read it to you. And listen to this, because this is already, this federation already exists today, and this is part of their constitution. Realizing that humanity today has come to a turning point in history, that we are on the threshold of a new world order, which promises to usher in an era of peace and prosperity and harmony, conscious of the obligation to save humanity from the imminent and total annihilation, and conscious that humanity is is one despite the existence of diverse nations, races, creeds, ideologies, cultures, that the principle of unity in diversity is the basis of a new age when war will be outlawed and peace shall prevail. Conscious of the inescapable reality that the greatest hope for survival of life on earth is the establishment of a democratic one world government. We, the citizens of the world hereby, resolve to establish a world federation to be governed in accordance with the Constitution for the Federation of this Earth. All right, the framers of this Constitution, of this document, thought the new federation should represent five continents. They called for one president, four vice presidents, who would aid them. The world executive would control everything. The world conditions, as the world conditions decline, the world will be, get progressively worse as we approach the rapture. There will grow such a cry for peace, will, which will gain global support by promising exactly this. The Antichrist will promote any the, the Antichrist will promote any solution, any confederation that can promise peace on earth, that achieve global dominion, uh, uh, dominion around the world. And then these people that have gathered to, to build this talks about the world strategists and planners. 
they said in order for us to get this interacted and get it started, we have to remove all absolutes. In his classic One Key Element to Gaining World Peace, according to the One World Strategist and Planners, he says in his book, The Closing of America Mind, Alan Bloom said the only way globalism can work is by eliminating any system of absolutes. In other words, nothing is right, and if nothing is right, there's nothing, uh, there's, if there's nothing right, there's nothing, no one to say that is right to say you're wrong. So, you know, nobody's wrong. Everybody's right. And you've seen this happen over a period of time. Uh, you know, you're not short anymore. You're, you know, vertically challenged, you know. They've changed all the names. In other words, where everything seems to be non-offensive, and they go, this makes everybody happy. And this makes, and it, it does seem friendlier, and it seems like the people that are promoting this are the most pe more peaceful people of the world, right? They're, they're, given the, they're given the news media that, oh, these people are wonderful. And that's how we're going to get along. Linda Falkenstein of the Northwest Regional Educational Laboratory said black and white answers probably never really existed, but time has long passed when even the myth can endure. So you take in a world where they remove all absolutes, what is the one thing that absolutely has a lot of absolutes? The Word of God. If there's no real truth, if there's no real truth at all and nobody can real, they will outlaw the use of the Word of God because you can't say this from the Word of God if there's no absolutes. And so in this book, it's talking about we got to eliminate any system of absolutes. Folks, that will come down the pike. Eventually, they're already starting to tell you, you can't say certain things, even if you, if you read it right out of the Bible. You can't say it on Facebook. They'll put you in Facebook jail. Pretty soon, they'll put you in a real jail. Because there's a spirit driving all this, and a lot of the people that are promoting this are good people. They're actually good people. In their mind, they're thinking, man, if everybody could just say nice stuff about everybody and we could all get along and we could be peaceful, wouldn't this be a great world to live in? So th the way they approach this, the way they bring about it, it's going to feel like the right thing. It's going to feel like the, the good thing. We need, a, we need a culture where everybody just gets along, where everybody loves everybody, where nobody ever says anything negative about anybody. We need to live in that culture, except the Word of God says some things are a sin. But you're not going to be allowed to tell somebody that's a sin because there's no right and wrong anymore. The third characteristic of this Antichrist is wonder. This beast will be engineered by the devil, possessed by the devil, controlled by the devil, empowered by the devil. Apparently he will survive some kind of head wound and appears fatal, causing the world to marvel over the fact. Some people believe that in the first three and a half years that... They're gonna, they're, the world's just going to open up and just turn everything over to this beast because he's going to be the only one talking about an answer. He's going to have an answer for the inflation. He's going to have an answer for uh, the wars and all the things that are happening. He's going to have an answer. He's, he's going to have a way that we can all get along. He's going to have all kind of uh, supports from the, you know, the different continents. He's going to have people willing to go, yeah, if we go this route, we'll all line up. And we'll just outlaw law. There's no country that can, uh, that we're going to outlaw war. There can be no more wars. And this is going to be a, a wonderful time of peace. We're going to draw up some mighty peace uh, agreements. And when all of these nations sign this peace agreement, that if anybody goes against the, the peace agreement, then all revenue, everything, uh, their ability to operate will instantly stop. And so that will cause them not to be able to do war anymore. There'll be no more war. Who wouldn't want to get on board with that in the natural being? I mean, that sounds wonderful, right? No more war. But he'll gain such power that some people believe that the reason he has a head wound that even some of the world, somebody will try to assassinate him. And some miraculous way, he'll either fake that he had the head wound, or he will, they say it was worse, that he died, or whatever, or he becomes almost non-existent, uh, 
but then he will totally be 100% fully possessed by the devil. And then when he stands before people, you're seeing, in, in essence, the devil, the spirit of the devil, taken on the body of a flesh, which is very similar to who? Jesus, right? Jesus came. He was born of a woman. He became flesh. This is the only copycat way the devil can actually become flesh. And now it's not just this man on the face of the earth. This is the dragon, the demon himself, the devil standing, swaying the nation. Somewhat as a, uh, a, a, re uh, uh, a resurrected devil. Many people are going to be fooled. But... Some people believe this is going to happen after God sends uh, uh, the two prophets and they preach the gospel and they're killed on the streets. And they said they lay there for three days and then they're resurrected. Some believe, believe that this will be very, that the world's in sway. Look there, those people were dead. They were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and they're dead and, and they, they've been killed and they laid there, wouldn't even give them a decent burial. And now they raised from the dead. And so the devil so okay, i got to top that. Somehow or another, all this gets mixed in that they have to show some kind of fake resurrection to have the world once again. And I think they have a little bit of trouble doing that and where you get, into the sec you, you get into the third part of this. You get to the, uh, you get to the false prophet. The false prophet then comes along teaching false, false religion, you know, many, many times in society, they use religion to help prop up false governments. But this time, the religious, this false prophet, he's going to be pointing to this resurrected beast, you might say, and say he's the Christ. And so you've got the false prophet is like the spirit. You know, this, that we got this, the spirit testifies of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. You've got the same thing going on in this false trinity of the devil. You've got the false prophet saying, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. The beast is the real deal. The beast is saying, the dragon is the real deal. And people are being deceived left and right. Be an interesting study if you ever want to go. I don't suggest it, but the Muslim Bible, it actually talks about there'll come a time where they accept Jesus Christ, but there'll come a time in the end time of their Bible that Jesus actually is the Antichrist. Read it for yourself. The, the fourth characteristic then is worship. Wonder, then worship. Whatever you marvel at, whatever draws your attention, eventually you'll be worshiping in that. And so worship, uh, verses 4 uh, through 8 there, marvel and fear quickly blossom into full-fledged worship. The beast and throughout, what is the devil always wanted? He's always wanted to be worshipped. Uh, Paul said the Antichrist will oppose God and exalt himself above everything that is called God to the point that he sits in the very temple of Jerusalem proclaiming divinity. See, the first three and a half years, he's going to be, I'm all for the Jews. I'm going to help them rebuild their temple. And only to find that when it comes time for someone to sit in the temple, that beast will sit in the temple as the Antichrist. Proclaiming to be the Christ, to be the anointed one. The world will willingly believe this lie, giving him praise and sounds a lot authentic worship to God. And they'll say things like, who is like the beast? Verse 4. In the Old Testament, believers often declared, who is like God? Who is like God in Exodus 15 and 11 and Psalms 35 and 10, Isaiah 40 and 18. And the believers during the tribulation period will say, who is like the beast? You are our God. And Satan has always tried to masquerade as God. Here the dragon will be masquerading as God the Father, while the Antichrist will be masquerading as the Son. At this point in the tribulation, all the dreams of the people that have expressed for one world religion will now be fulfilled. The fifth beast will be characterized by many words. He'll have eloquent words. He will sway people. Uh, he, he will deceive many. This beast will become the man of war. He will overcome the saints. 
the Antichrist will not act alone. The political leader will need someone to, to point to him and say, you know, because the world's going to get a little shook up there for a while, but they're going to raise a false religion, a false uh, prophet, and the prophet's going to say, hey, this is the way to go. We need to be following that. This is the real, this is the real God right here. And so you see all this beginning to fall into place. John saw the first beast come up out of the sea. And the, the second beast, you'll see it come out of the earth or the land, it says. Many times when it refers to the land, it's talking about uh, the, God's land that he's given to the Jews. Some people believe that this, this second beast will actually be a, 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 be a Jewish person. And that uh, and he will be a part of the... the, the uh, the false religion. Notice the second beast has two horns like a lamb. And yet he speaks like a dragon. A little, you know, a little lamb has these little nubby, little small, tiny horns. Little, you're like, who's ever been afraid of a lamb? Like, you don't, I don't think I've ever read anywhere in any kind of newscast or Facebook, somebody was killed today, he was gorged by a lamb. Lamb is non-threatening. It's like, you know, everybody, the lamb, they'll butt you a little bit maybe, a goat will, but, but this lamb has two horns, but he speaks like the dragon. So what are we seeing now? We're seeing that this, this beast, he knows if he's coming in his full dragonness, his venomous, horrible, uh, bloodthirsty that he is, eventually people will turn from him. So now he's turned sway and now he comes as a religious leader, as a lamb, speaking all the right stuff that people want to hear. And people are going to fall for him left and right. Because he's going to talk about, can't we just all get along? Can't we all just be one people? Can't we just love and have peace and joy? He's going to deceive many. And Jesus warned that the closer the time comes to the end, there will be a proliferation of false prophets and false Christ. He tells us that in Matthew 24 and 5. A lot of the things you read about the end time in the book uh, of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is primary. He said, I didn't come to the Gentiles right now. I come to the Jews. So a lot of the writing of the first uh, four books there, a lot of the writing is to the Jews. So a lot of the end time stuff that you're reading is to the Jews. And, you know, really the, after the Pentecost, then you have the moving in of the Gentiles and you hear a lot of Paul's gospel to the Gentiles. I'm not saying everything is, but a good portion of the end time stuff is actually to the Jews. And so the trend will be a culmination of false prophets, the second beast, who will point people to the Antichrist. Luke 4, Satan tempted Jesus by offering him all the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would just bow down and worship him. He wanted worship. See, his, his schemes have never changed. Jesus did not argue and say, you don't have, you don't have the right to give anybody the, you know, this world. Because he'd lost it through Adam, I shared with you last week. So Paul calls Satan the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 40, Ephesians 2, 2. Jesus refused the devil's offer of earthly dominion. But in Revelation 13, the devil hands it over to another man, not Christ, but an antichrist, the one who comes in his own name. John 5 and 43 says, I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. You'll receive. And, and so verse 1, the antichrist is a culmination of the devil's strategy to oppose God and began, began all the way back in Eden. There, was, there, there he enlisted mankind in a rebellion against God, and he appealed to Eve what she could be, that she could become like God. People go, well, I don't think I would have been deceived. I'm telling you, they were deceived, and at the end, there's going to be such a strong delusion. Uh, there's, you, you, we can't even, I can't even believe what people believe today. Can you? Like, how gullible can they be? But I have to remember, they're under, they're under the spell of this Antichrist spirit right now. It's already here. It's been here since uh, you, he starts talking about the Antichrist spirit in the New Testament. And so, he has become, he's, the devil says you can become like God. 
And the world is literally going to believe a part of the evolutional process is that we can become like God, that we can heal our own self, and that even if we die, we can, we can be revived. And they're going to take this to a place that you can never imagine it being. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, says the Antichrist will possess seemingly godlike powers. He said, let no one deceive you by any means, for the day of the Lord will not come unless a falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. So he won't be revealed until the church is raptured. But when the church is raptured, this man that's maybe already here on the face of the earth right now, you know, when the church is raptured, this man's going to come forth and be revealed very quickly because there's going to be such chaos after church is raptured in the world that there's going to be a, such a vacuum that this man of sin is going to be revealed, this son of prediction, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. He opposes God and he opposes even the worship of God so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself as he is God. Verse 9, the coming of this lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and living wonders. Verse 10, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. They never, they never fell in love with the truth, the word of God. If you don't love truth, pretty soon you're going to love a lie. We've got a world right now that's in love with lies. They're in love with the lies. We know it's a lie. They know it's a lie. Or maybe they don't know it's a lie. I said a few weeks ago, they know they're lying. But maybe they don't know they're lying. They're so deceived, they believe the lie is the truth. And it says here that... They, uh, the law is one according to the work of Satan with all power, sign, living one, and with unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth and they, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion and they should believe the lie. And they, and, and they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The lie Paul refers to here is the first lie. The first lie told to Eve in Edom, three, Genesis 3, 5. It's the lie that Satan told himself, I shall be like the most high God. I'm most high. Isaiah 14 and 14, the lie, the earth dwellers, these people on the earth, will buy into the last days ideal that they can be gods. They will, they will stay, the stage is well set up for an emergence of an antichrist at that period in time. And the race, this human race will be very divided at that time. There'll be only two real parts of the human race. You know, it, it, it won't be all right to say anything bad about anybody except one body. And that's the body that believes in Jesus Christ. There'll be those that are for God and those who are not. There'll be the saved and the unsaved. That's it. Just everything on the face of the earth is divided into two groups, the lost and the saved. While the difference between these two groups may not be so obvious right now during the Great Tribulation, they'll be crystal clear. The earth dwellers will be identified with the mark of the beast. So we know the mark of the beast is that 666, but it, there's three different versions that you can get the number, you can get the name. And you read that study, it, you'll find out some people's trying to figure it out. If they use the Roman calculation and each letter is a number, you calculate it out and it'd be 666. They've come up with a whole slew of people. You know Barney the purple elephant? They said he was the beast. Or his, it come out to 666. Well, as a parent, I could probably almost get there on that one. <laughs> At least back a long time ago. But these earth dwellers identified as the mark of the beast will read about a moment uh, while the saved will be marked in God's book, Heavenly Reward and Eternal Life. God says, and you read back the 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe in, Rome, in uh, Revelation 7, that they would be marked with a name on their forehead, the name of the Father. These are the 144,000. These are the Jews that are converted to Jesus Christ. They will go around the world preaching the gospel. God will seal them. And we're fixing to read where these 144,000, they're sealed. They go around the world preaching the gospel. And not one of them, not, we didn't get back at the end of Revelation with, you know, 140,000 
or we got back and we only had 70,000. No, all 144,000 are going to meet back up with God, and they're still alive. They've been preaching the gospel. They've been sealed. They've been protected by God Almighty. How many loves a God that can protect those that follow him regardless of what the devil's doing? So if anyone has an ear, he said, let him hear. He who leads into the captivity shall go into captivity. And he, he's telling them this, what, you know, you're going to die by the sword. We get on over here. I want to move very quickly. Uh, it's funny how there can be no other, you know, the, the cry for separation of church and state. That's been all a lie, too. I find it fascinating that while there's a debate about the separation of church and state in the U.S., few people have taken notice that the debate is only pitted between the gospel and the state, not other religions. In the Torskesko versus Watkins decision in 1961, the U.S. Supreme Court labeled secular humanism as religion. Secular humanism as religion. Yet secular humanism is the guiding philosophy for every branch of the civil government, most notably the public schools. Did you know that what today we call secular humanism was originally, the original name of that was called human potential movement? You can become like gods. It was uh, later originally, that was the original lie that modern man by their own foot straps can lift themselves up and uh, you, you'll find that. Uh, you'll see the two witnesses in ch chapter 11. Just as the magician's Pharaoh court duplicated some of the signs that Moses did, these false prophets in the last days will duplicate signs and wonders. People will actually believe they're from God. Uh, part of the, the Ten Commandments, two of the Ten Commandments speak, worship no God but God and make no images to worship. Here's the very thing that devil's going to set up an image and he's going to require the entire world to worship that image. And if you do not, you're going, you know, you're going to get 666 or the equivalent to it. You're going to, and you know, people's tried to figure that out. You won't know until that time. It's like there's some things in the book of Daniel that's sealed up until the end and you won't know what it means until the end because you're not supposed to know what it means till the end. But at the end, you'll know what 6-6 represents. You'll be well aware that when you take it, you're saying that you believe the devil's God and God is a lie. He tells that Paul says the idols want you to worship. That's the devil's the thing from the beginning. I told you last week about how, how the devil hates worship. It's the very thing he wants. If you want to stick it to the devil, just go around worshiping God all the time. He despises it. Revelation 14. There's all kind of people. Martin Luther, they called him the, 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 the Antichrist, 666. They called Pope, uh, the Pope. Said, Pope said Martin Luther was. Martin Luther said he was. Napoleon was named the, the Antichrist. Stalin. I mean, all through history, they've, none of them's been right. But what you need to know, there is coming a time there will be a false Christ come upon and it's going to deceive many. Now, I think about Daniel, and I'm, I don't have much time left, but Daniel, he's on this, and he, he is getting this from God, and he's seeing these pictures and then all at once in chapter 14 and 1, then he looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having the father's name written in one of their foreheads. And, you know, that 144,000 is the Jews that come to Jesus Christ. It's crucial to the Antichrist's plan to mark his followers just as God sealed them. But when all is said and done, it's Jesus and his sealed ones we find standing in Jerusalem, not the Antichrist and his cronies. The devil is not going to win, folks. Eventually, Jesus and his 144,000, and eventually all of us, is the one that's going to be standing there. So I tell you what, instead of people saying, beware of the Antichrist, or beware of the beast, or beware of the false prophet, how about a new bumper sticker that says, beware of the lamb? I think we all need t-shirts that says, beware of the lamb. Because in verse 2, he said, I heard a voice from heaven and the voice of many waters like the voice of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing there about harps. I said, you know, heaven's not just represented. We're up there wearing, you know, halos and playing harps. But I don't want to harp about it or nothing. But 
they're uh, playing harps. And these kind of harps they're using called lyres, they're always associated with big time worship in the scripture. So John goes from all this disgusting stuff happening on the earth and then all at once he looks up and he sees in heaven they're worshiping. They're joyfully worshiping. They're glorifying God. The 144,000 made it through. They're all there. They, they were not destroyed by, by this enemy. And they're there, and they're the redeemed of the earth. This is simply a picture of heaven rejoicing at the victory of the Lamb and His sheep over the evil. They beat evil. They overcome the evil. It's an elaborate, age-old plan of the devil. But it's a victory song there in heaven kind of like the one we hear at ballparks. I love when there's been a, a World Series or a, a football, you know, uh, the, you know the, the national championships and all these things. But I love at the end of the game, and they, at the end, there's one team that ends up being the victor, and there's a other team is the loser. And a lot of times, those that are on the side of the, of the winning team, they'll do this thing at the end, and I want you to help me. They do this, na, 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 na. Na 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 na, hey, goodbye. I don't know. There's a song in heaven that nobody else is singing, but these 144,000. I would hope to think it's something like that. And I don't know if that's the time, but there's a time coming when the devil is cast out of heaven. You know, he, he goes to and fro. He's uh, bringing accusation and he's bringing all these uh, things against the people of God. But there comes a time he's cast out of heaven. Maybe that's when they sing that. Na, 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 hey, hey, goodbye, devil. They're singing something good. You know, there's 50,000 missionaries, they say, triple that, give them invincible power, and give them a mantle of anointing, and send them around the world and see how many comes to Christ. There's yet to be the greatest revival ever known to the history of man coming. But it's going to come during a time of great, great tribulation. There's going to be people so desperate for something. But you've got to realize these millions and millions of people that come to Jesus Christ... When they say yes to God, it's going to be, they're going to be beheaded, they're going to be killed, they're going to be destroyed because it's not going to be compatible with the world system that's going on at that time. But there's going to be millions give their lives for the gospel at that time. They're going to know that way is not the right way. This is the real way. And I want you to notice something as we get over here to the last part in you go, how, I, I have a hard time justifying a loving God bringing such havoc at the last time. We get to the, chapter 16, the seven bowls of God's wrath is poured out. And, and I'll just read you a few of them, but it said, get to the fourth angel is poured out his bowl and the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch the people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God. And who had control over their plagues? They refused to repent and glorify God. Here's the thing. I don't have time to read this whole 16th chapter, but every time there's a bowl poured out, the response of the people, you know, sometimes things will turn you to God. You hit bottom, you turn. You're going to go a different way. These are people that are so blinded, so hardened. Pharaoh could have turned to God in the Old Testament, but instead of humbling he hardened instead of humbling he hardened and there's going to be people in this last day some during this tribulation period and the angels uh uh you know the 144,000. another thing here's how merciful god is god's going to send three angels there's going to be angels go and they're going to they're just going to be there just like in the sky there and they're going to be preaching to the whole ends of the earth this may be what Matthew 24 says that every nation, every tongue, every part of this earth is going to hear the gospel. There is going to be no way anybody can say they did not have a chance. Nobody. These angels are actually going to preach. They're going to be up in the heavens there. It's talked about there in 14 and 15. And they're going to be preaching the gospel. So you've got the 144,000 that's doing this worldwide revival. You've got these angels actually speaking 
they're, they're just, you look up in the sky there, and there they are, and they're preaching to every city, every town, every little island there is. The gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth, and then he's going to come back for the second coming. When he comes back, though, folks, you'll read this. Every time there's another uh, bowl poured out, it said the people cursed God. They cursed the name of God who had control over their plagues. They refused to repent. They cursed God. They refused to repent. Over here, the next uh, chapter, verse 21, uh, even when 100-pound hell falls out of the sky, hailstones, instead of repenting, they curse God. And so these are people that are so hardened and so full of the devil, they will not humble. They just harden their heart even further against God. And you may go, well, how can we justify a loving God bringing such wrath? How can that be? Well, I'm going to tell you, if the worship team wants to come get side stage there, it's a, you know, we've sung songs about this for many, many years. How many knows the Battle Hymn of the Republic? The Battle Hymn of the Republic talks about this very thing. That my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. His, he hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. When you read there that the, the wheat, he goes and he cuts, the angel cuts the wheat and he separates the tares and they, it's on fire. You read about the grapes, the word they use there for ripe, the, the grapes are actually, they're too ripe, they're rotten. And they go and they're poured into the, the uh, wine press and nobody but Jesus comes and Jesus is the one that's going to stomp these grapes in wrath. Jesus. It says he's going to stomp it until the, the blood has been splattered all the way up his white garments past his waist. Why? How can this happen? But the world is overdue for judgment. In verse 18, the angel says the fruit of the vine is fully ripe. I mean, there's rotten. And they will not turn. There's they're, there's, they're fruit of unrighteousness. How do we understand the wine press? John is telling here, in light of what we have been reading to this point, we understand, that, I believe this is in the valley of Jehoshaphat. The word uh, Armageddon means gathering place. A lot of people believe that's going to be the gathering place. The actual battle is going to be in, in the valley of Jehoshaphat because he's, it's right outside the city of Jerusalem. Let the nations be wakened and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there will be set a judge of all surrounding nations put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down for the winepress is full. The vats are overflowing for their wickedness is great. The multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish in their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake and the Lord will be sheltered for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. When's the last time right outside the city did you hear that the sun and the moon and it went dark and the earth shook? It's when Jesus was taken outside the city and with all the wrath that the enemy could pour on him, they beat him, they pulled his beard out they put thorns on him. They spit on him. They beat him. They put a spear in his side. They hung him on a cross. They made fun of him. If anybody has the right to trample out the rotten grapes, it's Jesus Christ. He's been patient for thousands of years. He's sent prophets into the vineyard, and they killed the prophets until the owner of the vineyard came himself, and they killed him. But he resurrected. He sent ministers throughout all time. He sent prophets. He sent 144 converted Jews around the world. He sent angels that floated in the heavens preaching the gospel. And everything that he done, including giving his life, the people would not turn. So now they will burn. They will be destroyed. And Jesus himself will be the one to destroy. 
We find that Jesus who treads this wine press, and when he does, the blood of the battle will stain his garment. Listen to the prophet Isaiah. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads the winepress? The Lord replies, I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the people no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is mine. You know, when things happen like what happened in Texas this week, and people want to take the law in their own hands, and sometimes we have to just hold back, and God says, people, people, listen, people, vengeance is mine, saying to the Lord, well, this is the day of vengeance, and God's going to get his vengeance on those that want to destroy life. The year of the, my redeem has come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I wondered that there would be no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me. My own fury, it sustained me. I have trodden down the people in my anger and made them drunk in my fury. And I brought down their strength to this earth. It may be hard to hear to think of Jesus with blood-stained clothes, blood from the enemies. He trampled in judgment, but it's more than merely a crude poetry. It is the righteous expression of a holy God and his anger at sin. The power of Christianity is not in its prettiness, of its high-sounding words, but it is in the cure of sin. It's the cure of sin. The cure of sin is all that Christianity is all about. I've met people who have been offended at the Christian message. They say, consider the blood, the sacrifice, the scandalous concept. To think the message of the crucified Savior is it's barbarous, it's backward. But you know what? They're partly right. It's not backward, but it is barbarous. What's barbarous is the sin that demands such a heavy price be paid. The cross of Jesus Christ is an eternal sign pointing to the evil and the ugliness of sin. And that cross stands as an eternal dividing line between forgiveness and condemnation. As far as sin is concerned, blood must be shed. We learned that in Genesis. Blood must be shed to deal with one, to shed to deal with it one way or another, either in forgiveness or in condemnation. For every man, woman, and child either is about the blood shed on the cross or the blood that flows from the winepress of God's wrath. You're going to be covered by the blood or you're going to be covered from the wrath of those that died because they hardened their heart and would not turn to God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now, Lord, that we would be a soft-hearted people, a people that's not hard-headed and hard-hearted, that we would turn to God while we still have a chance. God, you've done everything imaginable to turn people to God, but one day it's going to be too late. One day, it's going to be too late. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to come to Jesus Christ, even this hour, this day. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen.